Hello and welcome cats and kittens. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the Recovering Hunbot and this is another episode of Hey Hun, You Woke Up. If you're watching on my YouTube or listening to me on one of the various podcast platforms, thank you so very much. I am not appearing on the screen today because we are being forced to move during hashtag COVID. Can you believe it? I can't. Anyway, I'm making it easy on myself, so I'm just recording my voice. I hope you can understand and appreciate that. Today, I am chatting with my friend, Doug Brooks, who is an attorney. Over the past 35 years, Doug has litigated a wide variety of civil cases nationwide, including antitrust and consumer protection class actions. Doug also has substantial experience representing the victims of fraudulent and deceptive multi-level marketing schemes. He has represented MLM distributors in cases against Herbalife, New Skin, Omnitrition, Melanleuca, Consumers Byline, and others. Probably the most famous case Doug has worked on involved Nixium, which was a self-help multi-level marketing company that was founded by Keith Rainier. Allegedly, it was a recruiting platform for the sex cult called DOS. Rainier was convicted in federal court of sex trafficking and racketeering on June 19th of 2019. Frequently, journalists and financial professionals contact Doug concerning MLM law and the MLM industry. Doug has published a number of articles on Seeking Alpha. Also, he was featured in the documentary Betting on Zero, which addressed the Herbalife controversy. Join me in welcoming Doug to the show. Doug, thank you so much for meeting me here today and agreeing to speak with me. Now, I know through our conversation that you were involved in the Nixium case. And for someone to come out and speak out against it and Keith Rainier and the, I believe, sorority that was attached to it. And I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head. Gosh. What was it? DOS. Yes. Yes. <laughs> to speak out against DOS, I mean, that had to take some gonads as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, to finally be willing to talk about that because so many people, when something happens to them and it goes with multi-level marketing as well, people just are silent victims and they just hurt for many years. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in that case and just kind of talk to us a bit about it? Well, turn on your Wayback Machine, because we have to go back to 1992, um, which is when uh, the, uh, the firm I was with at the time, we filed a class action against a company called Consumer Byline. Now, Consumer Byline was created by Keith Ranieri. Uh, Keith had previously been an Amway distributor, and I think maybe he had been in some other MLMs, but... Consumer Byline was, was his uh, creation, uh, and it was absolutely a pyramid scheme. Um, they had uh, probably over 100,000 people at, at one point. Uh, and the product was a membership in a discount buying club. And the actual the value of the memberships was about maybe 12 bucks a year, but they sold them for 200 bucks a year. And basically what you know, all that money was going, was being paid out in commissions when it was a standard sort of multi-level marketing setup. Um, and we filed a class action against them. Uh, and uh, several attorney generals and state attorney generals had, had uh, prosecuted them. 
And then about a year after we filed our case, the New York AG, which is where they were located, filed a case uh, and shut them down. Um, and um, and so it, basically, it, it was a it was a, a a moral victory for us. We didn't get any money out of the case because, like most pyramid schemes, the thing blew up and and you know the money was gone. Uh, but uh, it was one of the first pyramids cases that I had ever filed, and um, it was an education just to see how the thing was was structured and put together, and and. Uh, an introduction to why, you know, how people get it, got sucked into this thing, thinking that they were going to make a lot of money. So that's, that's the early nineties. And um, the New York AG's case, they got a, they got an injunction against Ranieri basically saying you can't ever be involved in a pyramid scheme or a multi-level marketing scheme again. And for several years, we never heard anything about them. And Later in the 1990s, I got contacted by um, Rick Ross. Now, Rick is a, an anti-cult activist, and he, he does um, what used to be called interventions. Um, people who get involved in cults, the family's worried um, that this person, that, that, you know, their loved one is, 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 is isolated from them. So they go to someone like Rick, and they... Um, they try to, you know, try to use him to, to uh, get their family member out of this cult. And he, Rick at that point had been contacted by uh, a family who had a, a son that had gotten involved in an organization called Nexium, N-X-I-B-M. And Rick, one of the things that Rick does is he does sort of a background research uh, he looks at the background. And so he looked at the background of Keith Ranieri and discovered the consumer bylines case and he found me. And that's why that, that was the, the, the first time I ever heard from Rick was he was just researching this, this company uh, to help him with the intervention. And I gave him whatever information I could um, and I didn't hear anything for, for a year or two until Rick contacts me again. And now he has been sued by Nexium because what happened is he did the intervention um, and uh, one of the things that he did as part of the intervention is he, the family, he, 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 the, the family, uh, which is, a, they were a very wealthy family, so they were able to do this. They hired uh, a psychologist, and a for forensic psychiatrist to analyze Nexium. Uh, they actually these just for the purposes of this intervention. They did. There were actually a total of three research papers on uh, Nexium. Um, the the intervention didn't work out. Um, the guy, the son, stayed in Nexium. But Rick went to the family and said, "Hey, you know, you you." Um, you had these, you know, you paid for these papers, you know, they're, they're, it's valuable information. Can I post them on my website? And the family said, sure, you can, you can, uh, we'll let you uh, do that. So he posted these papers uh, on his website and clearly uh, Nexium does not, did not want this information out there. They did not want to be uh, anything 
associated with being a cult. Uh, so they sued. They sued Rick, they sued the family, and they sued several other people. And Rick came to me and he said, you know, I have no money to pay legal fees. Um, you know, what can, I, what can I do about this and can you help me? And I looked at the case and I thought, this is a bullshit case. This, this can't last, you know, this is, this is going to be uh, over in a matter of months. Uh, and, I, and I said to Rick, okay, I will represent you pro bono. Uh, I'm not going to charge you anything. Um, I believe in what you're doing. I believe this, this company is, is a cult. And I think, uh, you know, Keith Ranieri is a, a scam artist. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll make that commitment to you. Well, the case took a lot longer than a few months. Uh, it took uh, about 12 years before we finally uh, got it dismissed. And that included, uh, at one point, Nexium appealed a bad ruling, well, a ruling that was bad for them, good for us. They appealed that to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers uh, New York. And, and then that, that case, that, they actually they lost that appeal and they, they appealed to the Supreme Court uh, and they lost that one. So this case has went all the way up to the Supreme Court, back down again. It got transferred to New Jersey. Um, uh, another uh, lawyer joined the, the defense at that point, uh, Peter Skolnick, who's a great guy, and, and we worked together uh, litigating that case. And as I said, we finally got it dismissed, but it took uh, a long time and a lot of work. Uh, but, uh, and, and that is sort of an example of what a company can do to shut down a critic if they have unlimited legal budget and the willingness to just keep going and going and going despite losing every important uh, decision as, as they did. Um, so that in a nutshell is, was my experience with, with Keith Raniere. After the case against Rick was dismissed, um, this, all this stuff about DOS came out. And it turned out that, that not only was this Nexium com company a, a cult, there was sort of a cult within a cult with these uh, women who allowed themselves to be branded. Uh, and uh, they were uh, uh, basically slaves to uh, Keith Raniere, and, and there was a whole structure of these uh, uh, women who somehow, these are, and these are intelligent, educated, sophisticated women, but they somehow got uh, uh, bamboozled into thinking that, that Keith Raniere was the, you know, the second coming, or, or you know, like he's some brilliant uh, guru that, that had ideas that were going to change uh, the planet. And of course it was all nonsense. And Ranieri is now in jail. Uh, and, uh, uh, but I just, you know, I just read that some of the women who were involved, they're, they're every night they're, they're, they're dancing in front of the jail. They're, 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 they're uh, you know, they have lights and they have music and they're like entertaining all the people that are in this uh, jail, including uh, uh, Ranieri. But they, they, they were so, I mean, this is the power of, of some of these cult gurus is, is, is hard to believe for, for cynical people like you and me. 
that 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 someone could could believe so much that uh, this could happen. But I've gone on for a while, uh, as I as I warned you that I might. So uh, feel free to go back and and if, you know you need me to fill in anything or 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 move on. Uh, just let me know. Well. Okay, my understanding of Nixium, it was kind of like, you know, personal development, like there was these courses and all of that, which ties in directly to multi-level marketing, because a part of that is, you know, being your best self. And of course, me, having been a Beachbody coach, I did a lot of that, including the law of attraction. And I think Nixium had a bit of that in it, because these gurus all tend to have some of that within it so i can completely understand how you can become bamboozled with this meanwhile i have my degrees on the wall that i have and you know just like these women it does you're not an idiot because a lot of times people think well somebody has to be like less intelligent to join any of these things and it's oftentimes more like well people who are really smart try to fill in all those holes and they're going to work at it harder and longer because they're trying to figure it all out like they have anything else. And so I want to kind of just segue this into um, and the fact that he was with Amway, which relied, again, on a lot of personal development, they can grow rich, all of the kind of courses that they put together and that the top diamonds would go around doing, which I did a video on Esther Hicks and how Jerry Hicks was involved in all of that. Get a lot of hate on that video. People don't like that one at all. But there's a huge connection to multi-level marketing, just as there is yep. a connection in multi-level marketing for them not to be so happy about critics speaking out. And they always have a little clause about how you can't say anything negative about the company. And I'm like, you know what? I've never worked for a company where I had to sign something and say, I won't say anything negative about this company ever, you know? And so I always see that as something, it's, it's a huge red flag now. Of course, back then I didn't read anything, just like most people don't read anything. They don't look at the income disclosure statement. They don't even know that exists. And even if you did know it exists, I've told everybody this a million times, I would have denied it. I could have been on fire and denied it because I would have seen myself as being in that little bitty sliver of a top and that I was going to get there. So what yeah. I would like to talk about is that whole thing of like, you know, people like myself who have now woken up from the dream, so to speak, and are poking holes at everything and the importance of us telling our stories and speaking out and making connections with other people like yourself, because, you know, you can't do this kind of work all on your own. You can't just be on an island and do it because it's so massive. It's worldwide now and it's just, it's poison and it's just, you know, it's just cancer throughout the world. And right now with what's going on in the world, more and more people are joining and that's really scary. But I know like in a year from now, many of those people are going to have lost a lot of money and they may be afraid to speak out. So let's talk a little bit about the importance of speaking out and also the tactics that are used um, to try to squash people. Because as you know, people have tried to squash me and you have so kindly stepped in and dealt with those enagic robots. <laughs> well, let me, let me say, you know, I, I, you, you, when you emailed me about this topic, it, it sparked, something in, in my memory and there's a uh, the columnist Joe Nocera who, who writes for New York Times about five years ago 
he wrote a column in, and he described uh, calling the FTC and saying and asking them the question, how do I tell the difference between a legitimate multi-level marketing company and a pyramid scheme? And it was back and forth and back and forth. And finally, uh, the, the spokesperson for the FTC said, we're not going to answer the question. We, we, we're, we are, you know, this is as far as it goes. This is our final answer. We are not going to answer the question. So here's a reporter from the New York Times asking about the key normal question that, that every consumer should be able to, to, to know it once they're being uh, presented with a, uh, a multi-level marketing opportunity. Is this a legitimate opportunity or is this a pyramid scheme? And the Federal Trade Commission will not answer that question. What the, what the Federal Trade Commission does is they go after uh, pyramid schemes on a case-by-case -case basis. So, and every time they do with very, I'd say, well, with no exceptions, they're successful. They shut down the company or they enter into a consent deal where the company changes its practices as they did with uh, Herbalife, uh, they did with New Skin many years ago. Um, so every time they go to court, they're successful, but there are only so many FTC lawyers and there are at least at any given moment, maybe a thousand MLM companies operating uh, throughout the country or throughout the world. So, and, and the FTC's website says, how do you, you know, they have the, you know, information for consumers. How do you tell the difference between an MLM, a legitimate MLM and a pyramid scheme? Um, and well, you can look at the retail sales and this and that, but they've created this concept of the legitimate MLM. So every MLM company, unless they're actually be, being sued by the FTC, they can say, well, yeah, of course there are a few bad apples, but we're one of the good ones. We're legitimate and we have a real product and people love our products and they go on and they, they, they and there's support for that from the, the FTC. I'm sure they don't want to support this type of, of practice, but by, by, by failing to have a, a rule or a regulation that deals with uh, MLM, which they don't have one, uh, and by, by restricting themselves to this case-by-case -case basis, they've created the situation where consumers have no basis for, for answering that, that question. Because, and this goes also to the definition of what, a, what is a pyramid scheme. A pyramid scheme through, from going back to the cases from the 1970s, including the Coscott case, uh, uh, said, the definition says if you're, if you're in a program where you're, you're paying money for the right to, to sell products and the right to recruit other people uh, and receive compensation that is not based on, on retail sales. That's in essence what the, the Coscott definition is. There's no way for a consumer who is being presented with an opportunity to answer that question. How do you know if this stuff is really being sold? 
you know, the, the product, you're, you're, you're being told that the products are wonderful, that they're, they're the best, that they're unique. And of course, they're, they're generic, you know, uh, products. But, uh, you know, you have, you have no, you know, the FTC, when they go after a company, they'll, they'll typically, they'll, they'll, the investigation may last a year or two years or more. For, for the FTC to figure out if a company is a pyramid scheme. And they have the power to subpoena people. The consumer doesn't have the subpoena power. The consumer doesn't have any ability to sort of peel back the skins of the onion and, and find out what is this, this company really all about. Your experience with Beachbody, for instance, you were in it for however long you were in it. And it took you that long to figure out that this company was not what it portrayed itself to be. Um, well, that's a lot, that's a very expensive way to learn uh, a, a lesson. And it sort of defeats the, the, the purpose of, of protecting consumers because uh, everyone is going to get burned. And, and <clears throat> even when the FTC does shut down a company, they're never going to get full compensation for the people that were in it. It never happens. They'll get a, a, a small fraction at best of the money that people lost. So we're, we're in a situation where uh, the government is not doing its job. It's not protecting people. So that's why I say people like you, and, and, and there's been really an explosion of information on the internet and on YouTube uh, by, you know, victims, former, former participants in MLMs, people who have realized that they're scams and they're telling their stories. This is, this is something new. And I've been at this since the early 1990s. Um, and when I started, when I first filed cases against MLM, there was nothing like the information that is out there now. Um, so I think as bad as things are, um, People like you and people like the other anti-MLM uh, you know, YouTubers and bloggers uh, are providing an incredibly valuable service to uh, potential victims of these things. Because if you did any, if you do any background research at all, uh, you're going to find um, uh, information, you know, from former participants or victims or people who, who've been burned by these companies. Um, it's not, it's not uh, perfect. It's, not, it's, it's certainly not preventing MLMs from, from being successful, but it is, it, it's far and away uh, better, a better situation than, than we had uh, 30 years ago. So that's, in a nutshell, that's why I think what you do and what uh, the other folks who are, who are doing the anti-MLM thing, why that's so important, because the government is not doing its job. I will add to that, because I think it used to be, especially before people started coming on YouTube and speaking out about, you know, multi-level marketing, is if you would type in like Amway and scam and you might get some blogs that look like they appear as if they're going to speak out against it, but really it was like they were actually supporting it. Yeah. But, but now- Is Amway a scam? No, it's not a scam. I've made a lot of money. No, I've, I've seen those things. They, 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 uh, they do this, this excellent uh, SEO, you know, search mm -hmm. engine optimization. 
They make sure that the first page or two of Google hits is just cluttered up with, with all of these uh, uh, patsies who, who are following a script, um, but they, they, they get so many people to do it that, that the real information gets relegated to the third page or the 10th page of, of Google hits. So, right. uh, uh, yeah. But now, because, you know, with social media, because, I mean, that's how I got sucked into Beachbody, and that's how they suck in a lot of people, be it, you know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. It doesn't matter what the platform is, but they're sucking people in through that. But that's also given us a voice to speak out. Just for a long time, people weren't. And they were able to just, like, run amok. But now people recognize things that, you know, they can smell MLM now. Yeah. And then people are talking about it more and more and more, which I'm sure that makes people in multi-level marketing. As a matter of fact, I know it does. I've done a couple of videos recently on Ray Higdon. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's one of these people that made it in MLM and now has like a, a coaching kind of business, which right. I've had a membership in and he has courses. He's kind of like an Eric Worre, but not as well known. And I mean, and I uncovered some stuff of like what they're saying about the anti MLM community, because, you know, of course they think that we're just haters, we're horrible and that, you know, we just don't have the right mindset. And, you know, cause they have bought full long into the fantasy that somehow they're going to build residual income and have this, you know, beautiful life. And the only person in all of that is really having the beautiful life is Ray and his wife because they're ripping people off. And then there are some like top tier people as well that will be in there and th they've already had a following. So they're going to make some money, but for the most part, no one is, but they add fuel to the fire because you're trying to crack that nut of how do I make this successful? I'm supposed to follow this plan. It's not happening. So you start going to these different coaches, which are, I mean, there are a dime a dozen. I mean, you sling a dead cat and bam, you're going to hit an MLM coach. Not that I advocate slinging dead or live cats. You know. <laughs> We're all cat lovers here. Yes. But you know, that, that, that connection that you mentioned between um, MLM and sort of the, the personal development industry or the, the coaching folks or the, 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 the positive thinking people, that goes way, way back. Um, back, you know, I mentioned Coscott before. That Coscott was, was founded by a guy named Glenn Turner. Glenn Turner had a personal development business also. It was called Dare to be Great, um, which also used uh, an MLM uh, a structure, but uh, you know he 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 was doing both at the same time, basically having uh, a product-based pyramid scheme and this this uh, personal development uh, seminar type uh, uh, program, and that's what that's what Nexium was. Nexium was a a personal development program that uh, uh, used a multi-level structure to to uh, induce more more recruiting uh, but back in the 1970s there was another MLM called Holiday Magic and William Penn Patrick who started that also had a personal development seminar uh, I forget the name of it at the moment but uh, it'll, it'll come to me uh, but there's, there's a, there is this sort of unholy relationship between the personal development industry and the MLM uh, industry they, they attract the same uh, types of, of, uh, of people 
uh, and, and they play on the same types of, of, of sort of cognitive weaknesses that, that um, most of us have, uh, or maybe all of us have. Uh, so it's it's a it's a thread that that you you can you can and it goes back I'm sure it goes back further. Uh, but now I did a, a video not too long ago on George Graham Rice who was before Ponzi, and when I started looking at everything that he did, I'm like he's using all the exact same tactics that are used in multi-level marketing, and this was in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and I'm like this just seems to have it stands the test of time that you know a scam yeah. is a scam and it operates in much the same way you're just going to put a different name on it slap a different product out there but it's still the same thing do working on people in much the same way whether it be in infomercials or social media or live events or door to door they all seem to have that that same method of operation if you will yeah, well, human nature—you know, you know, human beings have been around for for uh, uh, you know a million years at least, and 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 certainly maybe, but as long, as old as civilization, we've had we've had uh, scam artists taking advantage of of some of the weaknesses in, in human nature. So it's uh, you know it's it really is nothing new. I mean, the, the different technology helps uh, you know these scam artists do their thing, but. Yeah, uh, you know, they, they, you know, this this didn't this this wasn't invented overnight. This has been uh, you know a a process that's gone on over uh, thousands of years. So it's it's you know we're we're dealing with um, you, know, you know basic human nature here. Unfortunately, there are people who uh, and they're a minority, but there are people that uh, uh, take advantage of of uh, the weaknesses of other people. Yeah, unfortunately. Now, I did want to bring this up because I found this so comical because when I was analyzing Ray Higdon, he actually said this. You ready for it? The FTC, they have a group of people who are reading your social media posts. So even in a private group, you know, for multi-level marketers, you know, like just to you know, make sure that everything is on the, and I'm like, where is this task force that's doing yeah. that? Are you nuts? There's yes. People to do that. Yeah. There's, yeah, I think, I, I don't know what the, what the, the total number of lawyers at the FTC is, but you know, they can, they, they, they can't keep up with all the scams that they are dealing with, let alone, you know, reading every social media post. That's, that's, you know, that's insanity. It's, that's just ridiculous. But he's yeah. getting people to believe that because that way is the whole thing about, you know, the, see what happens when you have big government. They're trying to take away your freedom, meaning the freedom to join a multi-level marketing business opportunity. And as you have referred to it as a business opportunity cult, which I have used that a lot. So thank you for coining that phrase, which really is very terrifying. Now, in my opinion, and please let me know if, you know, it needs to be something else. I tell people like, you know, because I know people do report instances that they see of, you know, janky posts that have really outrageous income claims and also product claims and all that. They report that to the FTC. But for the FTC to take action, I mean, they need, you know, a stack. They're not going to do it with one or two. And if yeah. people are not reporting things like that, and if they're not reporting their experience 
it doesn't matter what the company is, be it Mary Kay, Amway, Beachbody, Herbalife, um, Kayani, um, Enagic, if they're not reporting what happened to them, then they can't take action because again, they don't have that, you know, that stack. And that's why I tell okay. people to tell their stories and to report your stories to the FTC. And I did a video on that as well. That's so important because one of the one of the excuses that you hear occasionally from some of the, the folks at the FTC, why they don't go after the whole industry, why don't they, they investigate the whole industry, why don't they why aren't they more uh, uh, aggressive? Um, they say, well, um, people aren't complaining. Um, you know, they get they they get more complaints with other types of fraud and and. and Every once in a while, the FTC does a survey. They do a they, they call it a fraud survey, and they 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 look at um, all types of fraud and and uh, the victim behaviors. And one of the things they found out is that victims of pyramid schemes are the least likely to complain about what happened to them, as opposed to any other type of of fraud. Um, and you know, there are a lot of interesting reasons. I mean, I think that the, the social psychologists and the behavioral economists need to need to study this issue because I, but I, I, it, it is it certainly fits with uh, my experience, which is that it's it's very difficult to uh, uh, find people who are are willing to speak out. I think this is changing. I think that I think I'm seeing more and more people who are willing to speak out, but. Uh, one of the things that the MLM companies uh, sort of bank on is that people are, they fail and, and they're ashamed. And, and they were told, well, this business is not for everyone. So, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you don't succeed, it's, it's going to be your fault. And, and that, so they're conditioned beforehand to know that if they, if they don't, you know, reach the top, the top of the pyramid, it's because they just didn't try hard enough. They didn't follow the plan. They didn't, they didn't believe uh, strongly enough uh, in, in uh, uh, you know, what they were, what they're being taught to do. They weren't duplicating themselves uh, uh, appropriately. So uh, it's, there's, it's all their own fault. And if they recruited anybody into it, there's not only is there is there shame, but there's also fear because they were not only victims, but they were also perpetrators. I mean, that's one of the things that's sort of unique about MLM is that the victims are also perpetrators. You are taught to duplicate. You are taught to repeat the marketing pitch that brought you into it. And you're taught to go to your friends and your family, you know, your warm market, and and repeat the script uh and now you've become part of 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 the problem you've become one of the perpetrators uh, even though you yourself have not made any money at it you're you know you're most likely you're you're losing money at it but you are portraying yourself as as successful or you're portraying yourself as as you know and maybe you really are really excited about this thing uh, uh, but you are being used. And once you discover that, I think a lot of people's reaction is to, is to just back away and, and, and just clam up and, and, and move on to something else. 
And, and what people need to do is they need to speak out. They need, they need to, you know, if you really want to protect, you know, other people from, from not being burned the way you were burned, you have to tell your story. And you have to go to the FTC. They have to hear from people. Uh, you have to go to your state attorney general um, and tell them the story because the state AGs are also responsible for uh, 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 protecting consumers against uh, these types of things. But you need to be heard. Uh, it's, it's, it's extremely important. And I'm glad that you are telling your, your listeners to, to do that. Uh, I, I try to, and I, I mean, I tell my story over and over again in different ways. And one of the things that I try to do is I analyze the behavior of people in multi-level marketing from the perspective of like, I've been there. So I know how, how you're being conditioned to do that and why you might say things and, and all of that. And then I, I also did something else. I don't know if you saw the video I did that dealt with reciprocity, but, um, as an anthropologist, I started thinking about reciprocity and I went and got, you know, my book, The Gift, which is by Mouse, Marcel Mouse. And I think it's in one of the books over here. Um, who is it? Um, yeah, I never can say it's right. Robert Cialdani, um, Influence the Psychology of Persuasion. Yes. He talked about it in there too. But I looked at it also that, because like, the idea of reciprocity is I give you something, then you'll give me something. It's like, you know, that whole like exchange. And it's like, I scratch your back, you scratch my back, just to make it really simple. But what I did is I looked at it and within MLM, there's this concept in my opinion of an extended reciprocity because you feel like you've been given this opportunity even though you've paid for it. And you have this person who's your upline, who's quote, supposedly helping you. So now you're gonna work harder and you want to do what they're doing, so you're going to pay more into the system. It ends up being this endless loop that you get in because you keep being convinced that you're given this thing, so you work harder towards it, even though you end up having no results. And I have some sort of graphic that hopefully maybe I'll prop it on the screen that I did that it probably explains it a lot more. But it ends up being this mental loop of, I think, that plays into that human psychology of why you keep going even when you don't have results. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, I, I would encourage you to, to follow that because it's, and that, that's the kind of research that needs to be done. Uh, this is such an understudied uh, area. Um, it, it is, you know, they're, they're, I've been trying to put together a bibliography of, of books and articles that have been written about MLM. And there's, you know, a fair amount of stuff, but there's not nearly as much sort of um, you know, original research that, that that, that this, this whole field deserves because uh, you know, so many people are involved in it and um, you can't explain, you know, that it's, it's, it is irrational. Um, the, 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 success, uh, the success rate is so low, uh, less than 1% uh, uh, actually make, you know, a, a, any kind of significant income uh, at it. Uh, the vast majority of people drop out after, uh, a year or two, uh, and uh, you know, go on to something else. Maybe they go on to another MLM. I mean, there are there's a whole phenomenon of, of, of serial uh, um, MLM uh, folks that uh, uh, it's like a gambler. You know, you think, well, this next this next one will be it. I'll hit on this one. You know, I screwed up with that one, but this is this is the one. And, and uh, 
uh, people somehow convince themselves that that's, that's going to be happening. Well, you know, being involved in them, um, because of the cultic nature of it and everything and the sense of community, it really does become almost like a drug because you get, you know, heightened up all that jazz, you know, within the group. It builds up your belief. And then there's the letdown. But there's, there's the constant, you know, up and down, up and down. Meanwhile, you're doing mental gymnastics about like, well, how come this isn't working if I'm doing all the things? Then it goes back to, well, it's my fault because I'm not working hard enough. I'm must not hold the belief. One of the things that I saw when I did the stuff on Ray Higdon, one of the people said that they, that they suddenly realized that they had limiting beliefs about multi-level marketing. So that's the thing that's holding them back. And I'm just like, oh, yes, of course. Obviously, it just goes back to the fact you just don't believe enough. That's obviously the problem. And I, I can remember feeling like that myself and thinking like that. And I think that's what's so scary is that there's literally millions of people involved in these things. And in my opinion, I feel like if you have been involved in one cult of sorts, be it, you know, a business opportunity, a religious cult or what had personal development, you can become susceptible to another. And like with MLM, that's where the layers of them come on because of the personal development along with the MLM. And you end up having not one leader, but multiple leaders all saying the same thing to you. And then the community that you surround yourself with like-minded people all saying the same thing too. So you're in lockstep that this is how it is because that's what you were told, that's what you believe, and that's what everybody else is parroting. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that that is uh, really what, what is going on with, uh, with, with these folks. And, uh, um, and whether this was a conscious decision by the, the uh, industry to, 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 to take advantage of that, or it's just something that they have learned over time, but it, it, it is a very sophisticated uh, uh, approach that, that, uh, uh, that they use. I, I gave a talk at, um, it's a, a program in psychiatry and law at, um, uh, in, in, it's associated with, with the Mass General Hospital and, and, uh, and Harvard uh, here in, 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 in Boston area. And it's a group of, of psychiatrists and lawyers that, that, are, that are interested in the interplay between psychiatry and, uh, uh, and, and the law. And I described the, the uh, recruitment process of uh, MLM and the, and the industry. And I, at the end of my talk, one of the, one of the uh, psychiatrists there said he was just stunned at the sophistication of, of the, this, the, the approach that, that this, this whole recruitment uh, uh, pattern uh, was, was, they were just using all of these techniques and I, I, I can't believe that they were they they set out. I think it's just something that that has been developed over over decades. I mean, Amway goes back to the 1950s, so they've had a long time to sort of hone and figure out what works and what doesn't work. And in essence, every MLM that you see is a is a clone of of, of Amway, um, uh, one one way or the other, maybe through multiple uh, uh, clonings, but. Uh, uh, you know, the, this, you know, we're, we're dealing with you know, sort of very deep uh, rooted uh, uh, cognitive biases that, that, um, that, are, that are very difficult to recognize and overcome. 
and and we're we're you know we, we're, all of us are are, are susceptible to them. Uh, but uh, and we need to be sympathetic. You know, once you know, just because now that you you finally have have figured it out, um, it's it's not. Uh, and we were talking about this before we got on uh, uh, the air here. It's not a good technique to just go to someone who's involved in one of these things and say, "Hey, you're in a pyramid scheme. You know, wake up." That's that's probably not going to be successful. Um, there's a there's a softer approach, and I, I think that that you know you've been trying to follow that yourself. So, I absolutely. I always tell people because you know people will message me, and I'm like, you know, be kind and gentle to yourself first and foremost. And then be kind and gentle to the other people who are still involved. I mean, it's kind of that whole old saying, you know, you get more flies with honey than you do vinegar sort of a thing. Because everybody has been manipulated to some degree. Now, some of them, I think at the very top, maybe they were narcissists to begin with or were susceptible to becoming narcissists because they get like really screwball and do really horrible things. But overall, most people are just like regular people like you and me looking to make a buck thinking this is going to be the way. So attacking them, I, I just don't think that is going to have the result that people may want it to have. Because, you know, when you're attacked, you don't just go like, oh, okay, yeah, now I give up. Let me go do all that research. Oh, you're absolutely right. Because, you know, you're, you're going to defend yourself. You know, like, it's natural to do that. So, I just say be kinder, be gentler with yourself and to others. And especially those who are still in it. And when somebody you know joins and they're brand new to it, oh, you're not going to be able to get them out right away, honey. I wish you could because I have people ask me that like, well, so-and-so just joined. And it's like, if they've already said yes, they've already been, you know, basically brainwashed in my opinion. Yeah. Now, I do want to ask you this, because I know there are people that are holding on to their stories and they're fearful of speaking out because, you know, they think that they're going to be sued by the company, which yeah. usually, usually you're not, you know, I have not had, you know, like Beachbody hasn't come after me, you know, because I'm just like a little pipsqueak. Now these, you know, like little people who are involved with these little coaching and courses thing that get you into a, a magic in the back door. Now they, they have, but you know, whatever, but for the most part, probably not. And I think that people think that they're going to be attacked by people that they know, and they probably will be, especially if those people are still in MLM, they probably will lose friends and stuff. But at the same time, if we don't, if you don't take that step, to step up and speak out, then since the FTC, as you said, they aren't doing their job and people don't have the protection that they should have, it just kind of adds to the problem when you don't have that willingness to just be like, you know what, this is embarrassing. I can't believe I did this. I'm ashamed. I feel guilty and all of those things. And you don't have to do it right away. There's not a, like a timeline like, well, you left yesterday. So today you better tell your story. It's not that. But you still need to think about how can you share that? Because I really have the feeling that as more people start speaking out, and one of the things I think that would really help is if we had a celebrity, like a big name celebrity that would actually speak out against us with a huge platform, that would really give it legs. But we need people 
talking. So what can you say to people who might be sitting on the fence? Maybe they've been sitting silent for a year, six months, two weeks, whatever. Are there any words of wisdom you can offer them of like why you should just go ahead at, when you're ready to speak out and give them some sort of comfort like it's okay to talk out even though you've been taught not to ever say anything? You know, I'm not sure that I do. I, I, guess, I guess one thing I would say is, you know, you were, you, you were, you had this experience where, and, and you, you lost money and you lost some friendships or relationships with family. Uh, it was a very painful experience. And uh, you've now, you've learned from it um, because, you know, we, we learn from making mistakes. Um, one of the things that you can do to, 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 to sort of build back your self-esteem and to build back your, your sense of, of worth uh, is, is to tell your story. Because the more people that tell their stories, the more people, uh, the more likelihood that, that, that someone who hasn't gotten sucked into it uh, is going to see that story. They're going to hear that before they um, before they take that first step. Um, and so, if you you know, it, it is it will be good for you um, for your healing process, and it'll also be good for all those other people out there that haven't yet been uh, uh, victimized by by something like this. Um, Yes, there is going to be a risk that the, the people that are still in it are going to um, uh, uh, cut you off. They probably already have. Once you once you drop out of one of these uh, things, whether it's a cult or an MLM or, or uh, uh, one of these high intensity, uh, high commitment groups, uh, you know there's a there's a very much an us and them mentality, and uh, there is a, 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 a definite uh, tendency to, to sort of you, you, you cut those people out you know those that they are uh, they are dream stealers they are um, uh, you know Scientologists would call them their suppressives whatever it is the, the terminology changes but the concept remains the same isolate yourself from people that question what you're doing and so it's certainly you know you've already by dropping out you've already um, you know uh, made yourself um, uh, persona non grata with with the people who are still all, already in it, um, but you know I think your focus should be on on everyone else. Uh, you know, like and and you know the people that are still in it, as you say, you know you have to be gentle and have to be uh, affirming and 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 you know you I think you know would do whatever you can to just to just be there so that when they finally when they finally maxed out their credit card or they, they, they had the door slammed in their face, you know, for the, you know, the 20th time, uh, they, when they finally realize that the thing is not working out, they can, they can come to you and, and you know, you're, you're not going to be judgmental. But uh, so, so, you know, those people, you know, you'll, you'll just have to let time, you know, heal those wounds. But for, for the for the for the rest of the folks that, that haven't been involved in, in, in it yet, uh, the only way they're gonna they're gonna be uh, and know anything before they get hit with one of these recruitment pitches 
is if they've heard some of these stories. Uh, and, and it's, it should be part of your education. I mean, it should be, you know, when, when kids, you know, go to high school, they should, one of the things they should be taught is, is basic financial planning and, and, um, you know, how to, you know, not just, uh, uh, you know, history and science and, and math, but they need to be taught, um, about, uh, human nature and they need to be taught about, about, uh, uh, that, you know, when, when they go off, uh, to the real world after they've graduated, they, they're, they're going to be approached with, with scams and they're going to be approached with, with opportunities that sound, uh, like they're, you know, a wonderful things. And, uh, you know, we need to, you know, we need to get them young because the, 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 the scam artists go after them when they're young. Um, I definitely okay. think there could be some um, interdisciplinary lesson plans written. I mean, probably elementary through high school that could be used now, whether or not teachers would use them. And then right now with what we're dealing with, you know, I don't know what's going to go on in schools, but I do think that it could be done, but I think there would have to be some sort of program created and teachers just because you usually as a teacher, you do personal development, maybe you go to something and then you get the dozen plans and then you can actually enact it, you know, within your classroom. But I thought about that, that, you know, maybe at some point of writing some lesson plans, because I know Dave, you're friends with Dave also, Dave Vaughn, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know he, he's a teacher. I'm a former teacher and I'm an instructional designer. So I think something could be put together for people to start having a tool, because that's really what we need, is we need some tools for people to use so that they can educate themselves. And also, like you said, start very young with them. And I think a very young kid, if you set it outright, they'd be able to see really quick, wow, that's not gonna work. You know, I don't think it would take long for them to, to grasp that. And if that's being reinforced, over different grade levels, I think that that would be a tremendous help. But we're not there yet. But I do have a fantasy of creating lesson plans at some point. <laughs> That's a great, I, you know, if, if you get to that point, uh, give me a call because I'd love to help uh, with that with that effort. That's, uh, I think that's probably more, there's more productivity, there's more hope in something like that than there is with, you know, getting the government to, to, uh, uh, to, to gear up and, and and look at the whole industry the way, you know, the way they should be. Um, yeah, well, maybe Dave and I could work on something like that. And, you know, I'm sure Robert would be willing to put it on his website. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and, and because, it, again, it takes us all working together yeah. on all of this. And maybe after I get moved and settled, as you know, I'm going through this move during this thing in the world right now, which I'm not so happy about. But and, um, maybe at some point we could work together and I can, uh, maybe we could write something where I'm talking about how reciprocity is being used, you know, from a cultural anthropology, you know, that kind of perspective. Because, um, you know, I've looked at different articles online and usually what I find, especially if it's someone who's in, um, in economics, it's that they usually end up talking about how it, it being like a legitimate business structure. I'm like, but you don't know anything about it. You're looking at it. I don't know what you're looking at, but whatever you're looking at, you need to re-examine this because it's not what you think it is. It's not what you've written about. It's, you know, I, I do, this is a, opening up a whole nother topic, but uh, um, some of the academic work, some of the academic articles that have been written about MLM, if you look carefully, 
uh, these folks have been funded by, I just was reading an article uh, a couple of days ago, it was funded by Amway. And these two very prominent, uh, respected uh, e economists were, were writing about how uh, internal consumption in MLMs is not unethical because everybody does it. And oh. it, it, they, they completely fail to, to look at the compensation plans that, that have inventory purchase quotas built right into them. So that even though, you know, even though it only costs you 50 bucks to get into an MLM, so yeah, there's not, there's not a big you know, finder's fee to get someone in, but the monthly purchase qualifications that are the thing that kills you, the thing that you, you know, I'm sure, I, I, we've never talked about what happened to you in Beachbody, but I imagine you, know, you, were, you were buying stuff every month to sort of keep up your qualifications mm -hmm. and you ran out of money. Uh, uh, this because I've, I've heard this story so many times. But these guys completely ignored that aspect of it and simply looked at the, at the thing as if, well, you know, people who work for a retailer, uh, they get employee discounts. So, and so that means they're buying the stuff for their own use. So therefore, internal consumption is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and this is, like I said, these are, these are you know, not just PhDs, but, but, but they're, they're, they're professors at, at universities. Um, uh, but they were funded by Amway, and Amway got what it paid for. And so every time you see an, uh, an academic article, you have to look at the footnotes and make sure, hopefully, they disclose if they've gotten funding uh, by, uh, by the MLM industry. Uh, not all of them do, uh, but it's... Uh, uh, you, have to, you have to constantly be on your guard. Absolutely. Well, Doug, I want to say thank you so much. I'm going to like, you know, pause this and then we can wrap up. And I just want to say thank you so much for your time because I think we, this has opened up a different can of worms. I think we could do another episode where we can talk about some of those things. That's another huge problem when you have people with credentials that are legitimizing a business that's not a good opportunity, but is being funded by the opportunity which is, it's the same thing like how they don't do any independent testing of their, you know, products. It's like, if there is any testing, they're paying for it. Well, that's not scientific testing. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I'm happy. Let's, let's, uh, we'll set something up and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, cause there's, there's a lot of things that we need to talk about. So. Uh, Perfect. But thanks for having me on. And I, I appreciate what you're doing. It's very important. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate the, the, the chance to, to speak about this, this stuff. So. Well, thank you and be safe out there. You know, back when I first woke up from the multi-level marketing fantasy, I went back to my roots and I started researching, you know, that thing I didn't do when I joined Beachbody. I knew then that I had to speak out and be a voice to warn others. I knew that I would need to stand on the shoulders of those who had the experience and expertise when it came to fighting against multi-level marketing, and that's how I found Doug. Just like when I graduated with my master's in instructional design, I found Doug through my research and contacted him because I had questions. And I kind of just figured 
just like when I had contacted people in the world of instructional design, either he would respond or he wouldn't. And fortunately, he did write back and he is now a friend of mine. As a multi-level marketing critic, I decided to surround myself with those who had the most experience because I knew that I would need to leverage their expertise to help me wrap my head around the many different facets when it comes to MLM. I hope Doug's words resonated with you and I hope that you will file with the FTC and your Attorney General if you're here in the States if you have been impacted at all by multi-level marketing or if you see some posts that are making, you know, a little bit out there in terms of, you know, product claims and also earnings claims, any of that, do join in the fight. It is up to us to rescue ourselves and be a lifeline to others. Until next time, be safe out there and you're beautiful and I love you.